My name is Alvin Van Orden, and I'm a bishop in Frederick, Maryland. And I support Leading Saints because leadership is lonely, and this helps me feel like I'm not alone in this, that others have been here and have gone through these things and are showing me the way. And we're in this together. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation, like this podcast, which we hope you subscribe to. We also have a website at leadingsaints.org with thousands of incredible articles all about leadership in the context of being a Latter-day Saint. We host virtual summits, live events, and also have a weekly newsletter to keep you up to date on all things happening with Leading Saints. Visit leadingsaints.org for more information. Today is a bit of a special episode because uh, there is an upcoming conference that you've got to know about. Now, in the Leading Saints world, I realize I'm throwing a lot at you right now. We have our Mentally Healthy Saints virtual summit going on at the end. It starts on the 18th of May and goes for a couple of weeks. And then in June, we have the, the North Star Conference coming up on June 11th through the 12th. And it is in Salt Lake City, Utah at the Sheraton Hotel. But it's also available to stream online. And again, I every year I come to you and I'm just can't emphasize this conference enough. I've had the opportunity to serve on the board of North Star and to associate and and uh, teach and be a part of this conference in uh, in years past. And this is a must attend. And it's not one of those things like, oh yeah, I attended that once as a leader. I'm good. Like, no, this is like a yearly continual education experience that we, I can't emphasize enough that individuals check out. And the fact that it's all available online to those who register, you can't pass this up. So to give you a better, a more context to uh, this North Star Conference coming up, uh, we've invited here Bruce and Brent Ebmeyer. How are you two? Bruce and Brent. Wonderful. Good. Thank you. Awesome. Now, obviously, uh, with with two names that start with a B and a similar last name, you two are brothers. Is that right? Yes. We are. He, awesome. He's the older brother, but I'm the better looking one. So nice. All right. All right. We'll we'll see how this goes here. So Brent, and then you've had a special role with this uh, with this conference coming up. What's been your role in uh, the organization of it? So well, this is going to be my seventh conference that I've attended. The first four or so I attended as just an attendee, just wanted to be there. I experienced same sex attraction and uh, went there with my wife. And so therefore, it was just somewhere, a place that we knew we needed to be in order to be close to our Savior and, and to have these feelings and then also be able to live a covenant-keeping lifestyle. And in the last three years, my wife and I have taken on a larger role. The last two years, we were program chairs, so kind of planning the content of what it is. And this year, we've taken actually the, the conference lead role on. And so we've been focused a lot in that, and it's been a, a super rewarding experience. Yeah. And you, you guys have done a great job. I mean, just the lineup we have, the schedule, having it all come together. You're, I know there's a lot of work behind the scenes and man, I'm so glad that you're involved there and making it happening. So maybe let's, let's back up and just start with your personal experience. Uh, Bruce, you're, you're currently serving as a stake president. So you'll bring some leadership perspective uh, and why you attend the North Star Conference, but let's, let's back up. Who, who wants to jump in as far as your personal story, Brent or Bruce, as far as how this topic came to surf to the surface in your personal family relationships? Well, it started about, well, I've always experienced same-sex attraction, but never shared it with anybody until a year after I got married. And that mm -hmm. was one of the hardest things um, to go through. I would imagine it, 
for any marriage, anytime you add something like this into it, it's, it's very challenging. And my wife and I then opened up to my family. And uh, Bruce was one of the first ones that uh, my wife went to when I shared that, this news with her because I thought, I didn't know anybody at the time who experienced, was gay or experienced same-sex attraction and stayed in the church. And so I thought my mm. time in the church was done. And through lots of prayers, lots of working through it, we were able to stay together. And it wasn't until probably about four or five years after that, that we found North Star. So one of our friends said, hey, have you heard about this group? And we hadn't. So we started looking it up and found out they had a conference. And it was one of those things. Again, my wife was very gun shy about going the first time. I don't want to take my husband around other people who experience the same I don't want to say phenomenon, but this have the same experience and put them in this kind of melting pot. And but she prayed about it and decided that yes, we wanted to go. And it, it, it has been one of the best things for our family, just to strengthen us and to bring us closer together. It, she said that the changing point about knowing whether she needed to be at the conference or not was when they sang the opening song at the first general session. Yeah. It was I believe in Christ, and she said. The spirit just hit her and she knew from that point on that that's where we needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. You could come to this conference only for the music. I mean, the singing and the musical numbers are, are worth uh, worth everything. So, uh, Bruce, let me come back to you as far as, uh, you know, growing up, what was your perspective as far as the LGBT community? And then what what went through your mind or how did you respond when your when your brother opened up about his experience? Absolutely no experience with the LGBTQ community. I had no idea that my brother was gay. The The way I found out about it was a Saturday morning when Courtney, his wife, came over to my home and opened the door early in the morning and she fell into my arms weeping and I, she couldn't, she couldn't speak. So I didn't know what was going on at all. I just simply figured that uh, there was a, a, a marital problem, whatever that was, I did not know. And I even asked her, did Brent cheat on you? And she said, no, it's worse. And at that moment, I couldn't find out. Or I couldn't figure what was worse than, than having a spouse mm -hmm. cheat on you. So after uh, we sat down on the couch and just gathered our, our thoughts for a moment, she said, he, he said that uh, he's gay. And I thought, what in the world are you talking about? You know, I've grown up with this man and I've never heard of this before. This can't be true. What's going on? So my feelings immediately turned to, I'm going to be honest, uh, anger because I had no experience with this. I, it, so it did turn to anger. I thought this was a choice. What is he choosing to do this for? You know, he made some choices earlier to marry you and get sealed in the temple. And now he's choosing to come out and be gay and choose an alternative lifestyle. So with that, I didn't know what to do. And so I put her in the car and we drove over to her bishop's house and I introduced, they knew each other, but I introduced the problem and, uh, and left. And so I didn't have a whole lot of information. I didn't know what to do. I went back home and of course my wife was there and we were talking about it, but, uh, up to that point, it just, it was, it was a very surreal feeling. And, and I was kind of numb inside because I didn't know what was happening. And Brent, when you first came out to your wife and then with your family, I mean, what was it getting to the point where it was just hard? Like, did, did you, I know many people experience this feeling of, I will take this to my grave. Nobody will ever find out and I'll just continue on with my happy marriage and it'll be fine. But uh, what was there a moment where you felt like, no, I definitely need to open up about this? Yeah, it, it came at, at that point point in a October of 2005 when we were trying to have kids. And I thought the same, that thing of, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. As long as I don't vocalize it, then it really isn't real. Yeah. And we were trying to have kids and my wife could tell there was something going on that we just, 
I wasn't being fully open with her and she kept crying and asking me and asking me. And I just, it was a burden on my shoulders because part of the thought in my head was how can I bring kids into this world if I'm not sure that I'm going to be there and, and, and bring them into an intact family. Um, I wasn't planning on doing it that morning. There was no, nothing in my head that was like, Hey, today's the day you're going to share with your wife that this is what's going on. But because of her questioning and, and I was just over my mind couldn't take it anymore. I just shared it with her. And I thought that was in essence, the end of one life and the beginning of another one, because I didn't know anybody who had ever experienced this and stayed faithful in the Mm. gospel. And did you assume that was probably by coming out like this, that was probably part of going to be part of your journey or I did. I will tell you, I thought, okay, if it took me 28 years to kind of share this with somebody I need to give my wife some time to process this and understand it and essentially accept it. And so I kind of just went through the motions. We did some, some counseling, we did some therapy and I was just kind of going through the motions of, okay, well, I'll I'll wait till she accepts it until she accepts it. And uh, it got to the point where it was about six months afterwards, I came home from work one day and all of her stuff was gone and she, she was done. And she was ready, ready to walk away. And I thought, okay, finally she accepts it as well. I've accepted it now. It's, she has accepted it. And we told the rest of my family. So when we first told my family, it was just a kind of a small nucleus. It was my parents and two of my brothers. I'm the youngest of nine kids. And it was a, a very rough experience telling those, just those four people. And a lot of tears were shed. And I felt in that moment, I felt ganged up on when I was trying to express some things. And so my wife, when I got home and her stuff was gone, she called me, she knew about what time I got home. She called me and said, Hey, you know, it's, it's done. We're, this is over. We're going to tell the rest of your family tonight at, at a family night. We've called a family meeting. We'd love for you to be there. And I said, I've been through that before. I will talk to any of my siblings one-on-one. I don't want to do it in a group setting. And so they went and had that meeting and I wasn't a part of that. Bruce was there, but I, I know a lot of tears were shed and each one of my siblings reached out after the fact to talk to me. Hmm. And it was through one of those conversations that I learned now that it was my heart that needed to be softened. I thought everybody else needed to accept it. And what ended up happening is through one of those conversations, my heart was softened to realize that I had a daughter of God who was willing to go through this with me. She didn't drop me as soon as she found out. She was willing to go through this with me. And I thought, wow, if there was ever a time that Heavenly Father showed His hand in my life and how much He loved me, this was it. That was that moment. And He's saying, no, I'm not letting you just go. I'm giving you somebody who will go with us through you together. And so that kind of changed that trajectory of what needed to happen. And so we worked on it. It wasn't an overnight thing. Hey, everything's rainbows and, and, uh, you know, just happy go lucky. There was a lot of work to, to be had. And one of the things that really happened through that process is as much as I took that burden off of my shoulders and I thought, Oh, I'm free. I don't have to keep this secret anymore. I had placed that onto the shoulders of my, my wife mm. and it sent her into having some issues with depression and anxiety and different things like that. And so for the years that I spent dealing with my own kind of shame and guilt of those feelings, 
then it kind of put her in that situation. And that was a, a really tough thing. And it wasn't until we found North Star that, that we realized that, hey, we're not alone in this. Yeah, <laughs> There are others. While, while we live in Southern California and we didn't necessarily know anybody, there are others who experience this who we may be able to connect with and get strength from in order to kind of get through this and, and know that, that we're not alone. Yeah. And so that, that was the benefit of North star. Yeah. And Bruce, what do you remember from that time? You know, after, uh, obviously you took, uh, Courtney's, uh, Brent's wife over to the, the bishops and then what transpired after that? And what do you remember about that, that time? Well, I remember that, uh, my wife and Courtney had always been close, but they got even closer during this time frame simply because of the fact that she had nobody to confide in. She was alone in this trek, if you will, this trial. Uh, she didn't tell her parents. I think she didn't do that because she was trying to protect Brent and didn't know exactly where to turn from here. But uh, so she felt uh, she gained solace in a friendship with my wife, Carolyn. They grew close together. But this entire time, you know, it was just a, it was a time of uncertainty. We didn't know what was going on. Um, never having dealt with this before, I'd always been uh, of, of the thought that uh, I've always been in the thought that this is a choice that people would make, not necessarily a trial that they would have. And uh, it wasn't until I got to North Star that that actually changed for me too. Because when I realized when I, again, at North Star, they said, if this is a trial you think we want, we go, why would, why would you think we want this of all trials? And that opened my eyes. But um, going back to that, that family meeting, Brent said something interesting. He said, we needed to accept him. Uh, regardless. And, and that was hard to do because we were not certain. Again, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of the family. We were all very uncertain about what gay was and about how, um, how this came about. And so we were needing to accept him, but it's hard to accept somebody when you don't understand what's going on within them. So it mm -hmm. took a lot. I, I, and I, now I can only speak for myself. It took me a lot of time to want to have a desire to understand at that time, I was not a church leader. I've served, since served as bishop and stake president, but at the time, I don't know what I was. But it wasn't important enough for me to learn it as a church leader. I was just trying to learn as a brother. How can I help him? And yet it seemed like he didn't want to be helped because every time we'd talk, he'd say, this is just the way it is. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And in essence, I'm not going to change. You know, I've dealt with this for years and I'm not going to change. Now, that was my perception, Brent. I don't know if that's true or not, mm -hmm. but my perception was my reality at the time. <laughs> when I really started to learn that this was not a choice, again, was when I went to North Star and uh, Brother Steve said, why do you think we would want to have this as one of our trials? And that hit deeply because I realized at that point that how wrong I've been throughout all these years. And I decided that I needed to find answers to my questions instead of simply relying on the lack of knowledge that I've experienced in the past. And when I say lack of knowledge, I had no knowledge. And mm -hmm. sometimes when we don't have any knowledge, we think we may even think, well, we know it all. And I had no information. And I was basing my, my judgment on absolutely no information. So yeah. North Star is where I gained my information. And uh, I got to tell you, they are an all-inclusive community because when I went, I was very nervous to go because I didn't want anybody to think that I was gay. You know, what are they going to think when I show up? And Courtney helped me out. She said, all you got to do is say, what brings you here? And so when I got there and I started asking people, what brings you here? I would find out. And then they'd ask me, what brings you here? And I said, oh, I'm uh, at the time, I'm a bishop. I'm just trying to learn what this is all about, what this community is all about. And these individuals would 
break down in tears and say, I wish that my bishop would want to understand how I'm feeling. I wish that my parents would come so they can understand how I'm feeling. And that opened me up because I realized I'm doing the right thing by understanding and learning. And I wish others would. And so this is, uh, like I said, I've been three times. Now I'm going to be a presenter. So this would be my fourth time being there. And I just love the fact that we can change our beliefs just because we believe something doesn't mean it's right. It means we're going off perhaps false information. And I've had false information at that point for 40 years of my life. And it was very unfair to Brent and to the whole LGBTQ community that I was judging them based on the lack of information that I had. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And cause a lot of leaders, you know, obviously in your personal experience, uh, Bruce, that, you know, this was, uh, this is your brother. I mean, you can just ignore these, this topic and <laughs> pretend most of the time it's not there or when I'm like, this was part of your family. And, and so, uh, and then as a church leader, you know, it, it becomes maybe a, a new engagement with this, this topic as you lead various members in your stake who identify as LGBTQ and, um, or SSA. And uh, what a great opportunity to sort of just gain some perspective, um, understanding through this conference rather than, you know, an awkward knock on a door or say, I want to understand those that, you know, that would maybe a good way to go about. But uh, this may be just a more vast way to gain a perspective on different topics related to uh, the LGBTQ community in, in the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, right? And it wasn't at all awkward. It was, a, it was actually yeah. a beautiful experience to be able to go and see that these individuals may have trials, but they're not different than I am. They're children, they're sons and daughters of God. Uh, I love them. They love me. We're all in this together. What can I do to help be a blessing to them instead of being a wrongful judge in their eyes? And they get that all too often. It's it's time that we end up, or it's, that we start to be righteous judges and recognize that these are beautiful brothers and sisters and sons and daughters. And so as we do that, my heart has been opened and softened tremendously to the community. And uh, I'll do anything that I can in order to be a blessing to their life instead of a hindrance. And, and uh, again, Brent is the first in the my side of the family, but there were some others on my wife's side of the family and uh, since then, I've been able to, I'm going to say, mend relationships with them because they recognize that I'm trying to understand and be there for them as opposed to be ju being judgmental regarding something they really have no control over. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Brent, let's uh, bounce back to a little bit of your kind of continue your story. So was it in your mind, like as you were coming out, that you're going to have to somehow reconcile this with your, your faith? I mean, did you have a deep faith, a testimony at the time that you planned on continuing with or what, what was your experience there? Yeah, I, I had a, I have had a deep testimony since right before I served my mission. Uh, and I served in, in Argentina. And so from that point on, I've, I've always just known that the church was true. I just, I, and, and that the Book of Mormon is true and that, uh, that we have a prophet. And so I knew those things, but I also knew this to be a part of me. And, you know, and, and I don't want to bring in psychobabble terms, but that cognitive dissonance, like I know both of these things to be true. I experienced this and these other things are true. And so it was very hard for me. And that's the part where I didn't know without sharing it. I thought, okay, if I just don't talk about it, then I can, you know, I can follow the church, but if I talk about it, then that doesn't go in, you know, they, they don't 
go hand in hand. And that was the part where I needed to learn how they can go hand in hand. And part of this was, as we went through this process, the question comes up when you're going through trials for almost any trial and any person, why, why do I have this trial? And I remember when Bruce was called as a bishop and he had some members of his ward that he didn't share details with me, but he came to me and said, Hey, what should I say to this person? What can I do? They they're experiencing this. The family is this, what can I, how can I help them? And through that process, one of the times that, that we were talking, he says, Brent, I know why you have this trial because it's there. So I can be a better leader. I can be a better Bishop to my members. And so I know that's why you have this trial. And, and to me, that was like a little thing, like, wait a second, did I get this trial so I can help others? You know, I always, and, and that's kind of an epiphany that I had in that moment, a kind of moment of inspiration, like, wait, I do have this and I can help others through their trials, whether it's leaders who are helping their, uh, you know, members of their congregations or whether it's others around me. And that's when we started to, I started to talk to my wife because from that point on, I, I said, Courtney, I'm not going to do anything within this realm without us doing it together. I, you know, I, she came into the marriage totally unwittingly. She had no knowledge of it. And I never wanted to go down that pathway again with her of kind of having to go backtrack and say, Hey, sorry, I did this and I did it without your knowledge. And so I, I started to share with her, like, I have a feeling we're going to be called on to share our story more and more. And by that time now, maybe seven years had passed since I, I had opened up to her and she was kind of the point where, Hey, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And we got to the point of uh, when we were getting a new stake president, we knew that time was coming and I don't want to claim any right to uh, revelation or anything like that. But I was getting dressed one day and the thought came to me, your brother is going to be called as the stake president of your stake. And if that's the case, you're probably going to be called upon to share your story more openly. <laughs> and, uh, and so I told my wife about it and that was the only person I shared. And she said, yeah, you may be right. You know, I, and I, and I'd be willing to do that and she would do it with me. And so that being the case, about two months later, when state conference came, it turned out that uh, he was called to be the state president. And then I shared that with him. My wife and I both shared it with him that evening at, at family dinner. We have family dinner every Sunday. And so we were there that evening and we shared that with him, that experience. And he says, I'm glad that you shared that with me. And I have no doubt that that will be the case. And throughout this time now, since he's been state presidency, state president, we have uh, shared with bishops and their counselors. We have done uh, a fireside in our stake and other stakes and have helped out, uh, you know, spoken with the area authority um, and trying to help him in understanding some things. And so I know that that's been one of the blessings that has come from this. And one of the things that we're going to share in our, our breakout session that Bruce and I are going to do together at the conference is, is kind of how this, this struggle has be, turned into a blessing, not only just for our relationship, my wife's relationship and our family, but for countless others. And that's the, the important thing about this is everybody can learn and grow from what others experience. And that's what's meant, I, I truly feel, by when we mourn with those that mourn and grieve with those that grieve 
And when we do those things, that's when the true blessings come, because that's what the Lord meant us to do when we're here on earth is to be together and help each other out. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Bruce, just from your leadership perspective, what any, any experiences you could speak to outside of your experience with Brent, uh, that, uh, you know, engaging with this community or being better prepared or anything like that? Absolutely. Let me just go back to, um, what Brent was saying about sharing this with our stake. First of all, we yeah. shared it with our bishops and then he shared it with the stake. That had to be hard to do because we have both grown up in this area. And so a lot of people have known us forever and this has been a secret, you know, it's nothing that's been shared out in the public. And so when I told my presidency that this is something that we needed to do, I had one presidency member who's a mutual friend of mine and Brent's. And he said, you know, that night as I was sharing this in our meeting, he said, I never knew. And he worked together with Brent almost daily. He says, I never knew. He says, I wish he would have shared this with me sooner because he served as a bishop too. And he says, when I was bishop, I had a number of young men that would come up to me and say, you know, I'm gay and I'm leaving the church. And Bishop Gibbons would say, well, you can be gay, but why do you have to leave the church? And the question then was asked, well, have you ever known anybody that's gay and stayed in the church? And the answer was, no, I don't. And now throughout all these years, here's somebody who was gay and stayed in the church. And he said, had I had that information, I would have been able to help bless the lives of all these other young men. So with that being said, it, we knew that we had to share it and get it out because there's other men that were or boys. I'm going to say that were struggling with this and, and men too, I might add, because, uh, you know, just because yeah. you're a man, man doesn't mean that grown up in your thirties and forties doesn't mean that you've shared this outwardly with anybody before, <laughs> but, um, as far as uh, helping, it, it's helped tremendously. I'll just give you a quick uh, scenario. One of our bishops was serving, and he and I have a door that face each other. And so I kind of look at it as a, a portal. I can see into his door. When his is open, he can see into mine. One day our doors were open, and he had a, uh, a 27-year-old young man. And this is the YSA ward. And he brought him over arm in arm, and uh, he said, can we come into your office? Sure. We closed the door. And this is right after the fireside and we've expressed, you know, this Brent and Courtney story to the bishops or shared rather the story to the bishops. And he said, this young man is struggling with same sex attraction. He just moved up here from Hollywood from a two year relationship. And when he shared this with me today, I said, I know where I can go to get you help. And he put his arm around him and he walked into my office and I told him, first of all, you know, what do you struggle with? And he, he shared. And I said, I love you. And this is something that we can work through together. And with that, he broke down in tears and he said, you're the first person that's ever said that you can help me. So I know that as priesthood leaders, we have not only an obligation, but we have the ability if we just seek the help from others who have gone through this and seek the help of the spirit, we can help countless individuals out there that struggle with this to let them know that they can coexist their trials and, and the church can coexist. And so that's just one instance where it's helped me, but it helped me, as Brent mentioned, when I was bishop, I had a couple of young men come to me and tell me about this. And there was something that Brent said that made sense to me that I wrote down and I've shared this with countless other individuals. And that was feelings are not a choice, but actions are. And so just because you have these feelings doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. You can't go out and act on these feelings, but recognize that you haven't done anything wrong just because you experience these feelings. So now we need to work on what we can do to either lessen the feeling, which is, from my understanding, that comes and goes. But more importantly, we have to strengthen your ability to withstand acting out on these feelings. And so that's my goal. I can't take these feelings from them. I can't. 
If I could, I would. But uh, we recognize that these feelings are not mine to take away. These feelings are theirs to deal with and to work through and to grow from. And so it has helped countless other individuals, bishops, bishops, counselors, even our women's state release society presidency and our state young women's presidency. They're all aware of this. And it seems like when they have a question, they feel at ease and they feel free to come and ask me questions. And I feel very comfortable talking about it. I'm not an expert, never studied psychology in my life. I just know that I keep going back to we're all sons and daughters of Heavenly Father and he loves us. So therefore, we need to work together. Yeah. Uh, Brent, anything you'd add to that comes to mind? I just love what he said right there, just in talking about uh, the fact of the actions aren't a choice, right? I was appreciative. The biggest thing that kept me in the church and kind of along this path, and you asked it earlier, Kurt, was, did you have a testimony? And I did. I had a testimony. And, and I think that's the biggest thing that we can give to the youth is if we can get them to have a testimony, then all of a sudden they can always fall back on that. And they, they know that that's there. And I don't have a magic wand or a magic word to say, oh, if you say this, they won't ever act out or they won't do this. But if they have that testimony, if they felt that fire before within them in their dark moment, whenever that is, if it comes to that, hopefully it doesn't, but in the, in that future time, if they have that to rely on, then they're going to come back to that and want to come back. And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, for me, my, my testimony came, like I said, my strong testimony came when I was about 18. And nowadays I feel like our youth need to have it when they're 12 and 13. I can't imagine being a, a teenager right now with the same feelings because now it's so widely accepted. Yeah. Go ahead and explore those feelings. I hid those feelings because it wasn't accepted. And now to have the kind of the world saying, go live those feelings, experience it. And, and then you can make your own decisions. What I want to give them is I want to say, Hey, gain your testimony. And you will always come back to that testimony. You'll feel it. You'll know that in your dark moment, you can turn to Christ and you have not gone far enough away from his love and his atonement in order for him to reach out and, and help you. And so I, that's my biggest thing is when he was talking about that, about the youth, it was just, we need to get them testimonies. And the best way we can get them testimonies is to not shy away from this topic, but to make sure that they know that they're loved and they have a place within the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Anything, any other point or principle that we, we haven't hit on and want to make sure we hit on before I got a few more questions, but uh, anything we've missed from the story or the narrative or anything like that? I don't think so. I, you know, one of, the, one of the questions I often get asked is why do I have this trial? And my answer is always the same. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. In first Nephi, it says, uh, I know that he loves his children, that God loves his children, but I do not know the meaning of all things. And I think that's one that we need to refer to often is I don't know why we have these trials, but God knows. And so it's between you and him. Mm -hmm. All I can do is try to help you through this journey. Awesome. Brent, maybe just uh, tell us, you know, if somebody's a, a leader out there that's listening or even, and again, there's, you know, this isn't just for leaders, it's for any Latter-day Saint who is in, uh, interested in, in learning more or, or uh, being a better resource to maybe a loved one around them who's in the LGBTQ community. But what are they going to experience both online and in person? Uh, where should they go to, to sign up and those types of things? Yeah. Uh, well, they will experience just a, a spirit-filled weekend, two days, Friday and Saturday. It is everything that we do. We try and always invite the spirit into our meetings, our breakouts, and those kind of things. The nice thing about this year is we've always offered 
Saturday for free for any leaders who wanted to come. That morning, we kind of dedicate to leaders with the pandemic and everything that's been going on. This year, we have it available virtually. It's our first year doing that. Um, we really are, have tried to, to allow, again, leaders to gain that experience. If you can't make it to the conference, it's whether it's cost prohibitive to travel to Utah and be there for two days, the conference is free to all leaders, the virtual conference. And so therefore, you can go online, sign up for it, and you'll have access to it and be able to gain and glean from those breakout sessions, whatever you need to. You'll be able to, to get from those breakout sessions anything that you need as far as you can go to, I know many bishops are dealing with transgender issues. And so there's quite a few of those breakouts that deal with transgender. And that's something that I don't experience. And so I remember my brother coming to me and saying, I just, I don't get you, Brett. I don't, I don't understand it. Cause I don't, I don't feel those same feelings. I feel the same way when it comes to transgender and gender dysphoria issues. Um, but this is an area where I, I attend those at the conference because I want to learn more. And in my role in my calling right now is I'm a first counselor and a bishopric. I know that if I really, truly want to love, then I have to go be willing to understand. And so that's how I, I try and understand a little bit more is by, by just reaching out of my comfort zone and attending things that maybe I think, I don't know if I need that, but it is very valuable. Awesome. And uh, where, where should they go to register for that? So you can go to the North Star website. So you go to northstarlds.org. And you'll click on one of the, the tabs says resources, you know, go to conferences. And this year's conference, the theme is trust in the Lord. Um, and it's just so apropos for this timing of, of the year through the pandemic. And last year, our conference happened. It happened to be right the week before everything shut down. And, and so we just thought it was very appropriate that this year we trust in God even more. Um, and so you go there and you can sign up uh, and you follow the links to it. There's lots of information. The breakout schedule is posted so you can kind of start to plan and think like, oh, this is what I might want to do. Um, you can go there and plan your, your couple days. And we ask you that you invite friends too. I invite your friends. If you have other bishops or, or leaders, it doesn't have to be bishops. It can be Relief Society presidents, young women's presidents, stake young men's presidents, teachers core or your teachers or young men's advisors, anybody who'd like to, and they're a leader in the church, elders, quorum presidents, we ask that they, they attend, invite them. The invitation is always the successful thing, whether they attend or not, that's not the, the important part. The, the success is in the invitation. So, but we encourage everybody to go sign up there and it is, it is for free. So the virtual aspect, if you'd like to attend in person, we encourage that too. It, there's always something extra that you can kind of get from being in person with somebody but uh, and feeling their spirit and being able to talk to them. But I will tell you, we're doing our best to make sure the virtual conference as good as it can be. As far as you being able to ask questions, we will have somebody there that will be able to ask those questions if it's a breakout that, that lends to that, and you can get your answers done there. So it's not going to be just a, a one way. There will be an option for you to be able to ask those questions and, and get answers. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And, and Bruce, maybe just uh, send us off with, if you're in front of a room full of leaders who are considering attending, what what final encouragement would you give them to make sure they, they take advantage of this opportunity? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Go! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a wonderful one. You know what? If you go, you gain knowledge. And if you have knowledge, that gives you power. And when you have power, you feel like you can not only do anything, but you feel better about helping those with whom you uh, – 
who you serve. And uh, I have no fear when somebody comes into my office now and it has to, something to do with LGBTQ or same-sex attraction. I have no fear with sitting down and talking to them. And the best thing is when they leave, they're usually filled with the spirit and they say, this is the first time I've ever felt hope. And without hope, we really don't have anything we have to spare. And that's not what the Christ, what Christ church is all about, or even the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about hope. And uh, Brent said it earlier, none of us has fallen too far from the light of Christ to save us. And so um, we can go, we will experience the spirit and we'll come away educated. And I think that's the highlight for me is just feeling the spirit, knowing that I've been educated. That concludes my interview with Brent and Bruce Ebmeyer. Man, these are awesome guys. And I've had the opportunity to uh, work with and know Brent for quite a few years. And he is uh, who you who you saw he is. He's just such a great guy who I've learned so much from. Again, I, I mean, I can't implore you enough. Be, be there. Like whether it's virtually or not, I'm going to be there in person. So if you are there in person, be sure to uh, seek me out and introduce yourself. I always love to meet uh, some of the listeners out there. Uh, fantastic resource. We've said it enough. We've hit it hard enough. Now go to northstarlds.org and uh, be sure to register. It's really obvious on the homepage, big orange, uh, uh, you know, image there that you can click on, get all the information and it'll lead you to where to register as a church leader, which is absolutely free. So we look forward to seeing you at the North Star Conference 2021. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.